fellow planeswalkers. I'm James. And I'm Paul. And you're listening to the newest episode of the Commander at Arms podcast. This week on the podcast, we are going to be breaking down the alternate commanders from the brand new C21 decks. Now, they all have a dual-colored commander in their colors and also two monocolored commanders. But before that, we're going to deal with our upkeep trigger, where we are going to do a slight shameless plug and uh, tell you all about the gameplay video we're on with the commander crew. That's right. Uh, For the past couple episodes, uh, you've probably heard us mention that we have uh, some gameplay coming up with a a new friend of ours. His name is Corey. He runs the Commander Crew channel. Um, If you're not following them or subbed to them already, please do so. And uh, the video that we've been kind of foretelling at, wink, wink, that was a a magic joke. Uh, (laughs) Well, anyway, that video is now out. It features me playing my Mono Green Druids deck. And James is playing, I believe it was Tesa. Sure was. Uh, it was a fun game. And uh, the only comment on that video last time I checked was one that was flaming my gameplay. Uh, because uh, I wasn't feeling particularly well that day. So go go add some, some other comments to that. Because, uh, yeah, you know, wouldn't hurt. No, and I'm surprised that no one picked up on any of my misplays uh i went back and rewatched the episode uh it was recorded quite late compared to what i normal like when i normally play commander uh so i got to watch all my misplays and miss triggers and uh yeah i want to see if you guys can pick up where they were, were and what what misplays i did and if you if you if you can leave a comment and i'm sure we'll jump on there as the podcast and kind of reply or hit us up on twitter and yeah uh paul there was something else you wanted to talk about in the upkeep trigger, wasn't there not? Yeah. So sometimes if me and James haven't played Magic in a while, uh, for our upkeep trigger, we will go on Scryfall and we'll like we'll hit random a few times, see what cards we get. And sometimes they're boring, uh, either because the card itself is uninteresting or unimpressive, or because it's a card that sees like so much play that it just, you know, it's like it's a card that everybody knows about. But yeah, uh, I think one of mine was Gave Guru of Spores, and I'm like, I'm not talking about that card. We, yeah, and then everyone, everyone knows it. <laughs> um, and Fierce Empath, James also got. But I actually, yeah. uh, I got one that I've never heard of before, and I'm honestly surprised that it doesn't see more play. And that that card in particular is Growth Spasm, which is two in a green for a sorcery. Uh, you search your library for a basic land, then put on the battlefield tapped, and then shuffle your library. Uh, but you also create a 0-1 colorless Eldrazi spawn creature token that has sacrificed this creature, add one to your mana pool. So it's kind of like Cultivate, but both lands hit the table at the same time, right? Because you get the token that you can sacrifice for mana, and you get the land. So if you're casting this on turn three, and you have a land drop on turn four, then you're already at six mana on turn four. Yeah, and- I mean, I, I could see this being played in like every deck that wants like ramp obviously every deck wants ramp but what i'm saying is like uh the, the land decks out there you know the we're really in this whole like simic land meta at the moment where like every well i guess not every but nine times out of ten all the simic commanders have some sort of landfall effect or when a land enters the battlefield or whatever this well, would just go in any of those decks i mean we're not talking about this guy today, but like 
think about this in the context of the a Adrix and Nev, right? That's three mana to get three mana because you get two tokens. Yeah, that's, that's actually real. And, and I didn't <laughs> even think about that. And then you can just keep making more tokens of the token that's already out because it's already out there on the field. Yeah. It's great. This card <laughs> just blew my mind. I love it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so let's Pandor move to the main phase one now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so let's let's move to main phase one now, and uh, we're going to break down all of the colleges uh, alphabetically, because that's how we decided to do it here today. So the first one we have here is Lawhold. We're going to go through the three commanders here. We have the first one, Alibu Ancient Witness. It's a three red and a white for a four, five legendary artifact creature, Golem, that says other artifact creatures you control have haste. Whenever one or more artifact creatures you control attack, Alibu Ancient Witness deals X damage to any target and you scry X where X is the number of tapped artifacts you control. All right. Before we talk about this card, I'm just going to say that me and James put ourselves through a little bit of a boot camp on name pronunciations. Yeah. So if you hear us struggling to say it, it's because we trained ourselves to say it a specific way that is not innate to us. So that being said, let's go ahead and talk about uh, Alibu. Uh, ancient witness so first of all right off the bat haste is a keyword that honestly you cannot have enough cards in your deck that grant haste and having it on your commander of all things is fantastic besides that though the second part if this card said deal x damage to target creature or planeswalker i would still think that's a good card but the fact that you can you can go upstairs with this thing right to the dome <laughs> Right, and you can hit someone for you know it starts at like maybe two or three, can go upwards of like four, five, maybe six. If you have multiple combats, you can be doming people for you know like fifteen damage a turn or something like that. And you get to scry, so it's not strictly card advantage, but kind of card advantage in Boros of all things. There's like everything about this card and these colors is unique, and honestly, I am so here for it. I might build this deck at some point it's not really on my to-do list right now but i think that this card has a lot of potential um i would expect to see cards like um any any equipment that guarantees death touch to alibo so things like gorgon's head or basilisk collar because it, it is alibo dealing the damage so you get to just ping off creatures uh, I'd expect things that give lifelink to Alibo to see play here. Um, I'd expect things that turn artifacts into creatures. Like, uh, hmm. I actually, I know, I know there's something that turns equipment into creatures in red. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I'm sure somebody will help me out there. Um, you are in white, so you have a lot of tutors for equipment. Um, as a matter of fact, there is just a, a land printed in Kaldime that uh, tutors for enchantments, auras, sorry, and equipment. Uh, I think I've rambled on enough. Uh, I'm going to let James say uh, whatever he wants to say about this card as well. I mean, you, you, you smack someone in the dome with this. I got really nothing else to say besides the fact that uh, you can really hit the weakest player at the table with your artifacts for attacking and then just dome the strongest person at the table with the, uh, with the damage to the face. So I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm where I'm sitting at it at like with with this deck. Uh, 
it is another like Boros attack deck that you know really wants you to be a heavy on artifacts. But I mean, that's I think that's fine because it's kind of where Boros wants to be. Like I know we have uh, Oskir who is very like different in the terms of Boros commanders, or should I say, Lawhold commanders? But there's nothing wrong with having that attack deck, and this gives you, like Paul said, it gives you damage to the face and card uh, selection, I guess, in like in Boros. Not to mention that the trigger ability for Alabo it counts all tapped artifacts, not just tapped artifact creatures, uh, which I actually misread the first time, but you know. Um, if you have things that can tap your artifacts for mana or something like that, obviously you're not in blue, so you don't have like Urza or anything like that. Um, if you have like, you know, this counts all your, all your mana rocks. So if you, even if you have just a couple mana rocks, Alibo will be dealing three damage to something and you scry three. Scrying three is a lot of scry. I would say even yeah. like you can consider the average on this to be scrying three, considering how many mana rocks people run in commander. Yeah, and especially want to be running in in this deck as well because you've got, um, well, not because you've got anything, but like because your commander is five CMC, you'd be running pretty much everything up to up to five CMC. So you'd be running like Soul Ring, Arcane Signet, maybe a Thought Vessel, Commander I'd Sphere. Mind I'd even Stone. run. Uh, I'd even run Treasure Naver in this deck. Take other yeah, people's I mean, uh, mana rocks. Yeah, exactly. Just like, well, that's my mana rock for now <laughs> let me just let me just hold on to it for you for a little bit shall we um but i mean also the artifact lands as well because they are still artifacts and they do tap and they that tap to true. produce mana that, is that very still true. counts as your uh your artifacts so i mean this thing th this card flavor wise i i love this card and like paul said he might build it i think we might even just put a like a combined list together and just see where we can go with this one because it's it's really interesting. I think the best part about this commander is the fact that it is an artifact itself. So yes. there are so many ways to recur it from the graveyard to skip its commander attacks. It is unreal. And with that, yeah. I think we have uh, we have talked to death about this yeah, yeah. commander. Let's move on <laughs> to the next one. So which is our mono red commander for the deck. It's Lelia the Blade Reforged. So it's two and a red for a 2-2 two -two legendary creature spirit warrior that has haste says, whenever Lelia the Blade Reforged attacks, exile the top card of your library. You may play you may play that card this turn. Whenever you exile one or more cards from your library and or your graveyard, put a plus one, plus one counter on Lelia. All right, let's talk about the obvious. This card loves flashback, granted. Um, actually, it doesn't even work with flashback. I take that <laughs> back because... Cards of flashback get exiled from the stack, not from the graveyard. Um, this card honestly has me in a weird spot. It is a three mana two two with haste, and like I said before, haste is a very good keyword, especially on something that is your commander. Um, you do get to play lands off of its attack trigger, but when you attack with it, the turn it comes out, so like turn three, I would assume, maybe turn two if you have a soul ring or something, or a mana crypt, I guess, if you're in that kind of pod. Turn uh, if you jeweled lotus it. Jeweled lotus, sure. <laughs> uh, unless that card is exactly zero mana, you're kind of just losing that card, right? And yes, it attacks as a three three at that point, but I'm not sure how worth it that is. I don't know. I'm uh, I I, I I could see why this card would have potential, and maybe this is even like 
very high power playable just because of how aggressive it is. But I don't know where it would or what that shell would look like myself. I'd imagine it yeah. would have a Phyrexian Devourer. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's almost an auto include, isn't it? <laughs> I, I also don't know where I land exactly on this card. I like that it's got Impulse Draw, uh, which is something that Red obviously needs. Uh, I mean, we know, we mentioned Jeweled Lotus. Oh, let's say I mentioned Jeweled Lotus with this card because, I mean, if you in a god turn, you could essentially turn one, Jeweled Lotus, crack it for three, play Lilia, the Blade Forged, attack for... You know, attack is a 3-3, exile maybe a faithless looting, get some rummage out of it as well. I mean, yeah, there's there's possibilities that you could maybe rip something off the top that's really good. Um, I was also thinking about maybe Underworld Breach with this as well, because you're exiling them from the graveyard to then cast things out of the graveyard. Um, I guess the three mana squee is okay. I guess yeah. Underworld Breach... If you're playing the C like this supposed high slash CDH variant, I would suppose that Lion's Eye Diamond Underworld Breach Wheel of Fortune is probably good with this commander. Yeah, but that's not where I want to push people to go. No, Especially not, if they've bought I mean, these precons. <laughs> if you've bought these precons, like this is just a suggestion of being like, all right, well, if you do want to play the precon deck, you could always just play one of these other these other alternate commanders. And then Paul's like, just put a Lion's Eye Diamond in it. It's fine. Well, I did say <laughs> if you want to play that higher power variant of it. But even so, I think Underworld Breach is still a relatively like cheap card that this yeah. commander would love regardless. Oh yeah, and you don't like you said you don't have to abuse it with uh, with Lion's Eye Diamond. I mean, you could pretty much get away with the same setup with Underworld Breach and uh, is it Lotus Petal? Uh, not quite, but you're on the right track. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. I feel like I'm all, I'm 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 heading towards something. I kind of want like what is the Lion's Eye Diamond equivalent that isn't also like 300 400 dollars <laughs> uh but black lotus isn't three or four hundred dollars paul we're not talking about four thousand dollar <laughs> cards here buddy it's like, not three to four hundred <laughs> <laughs> i want cheaper i want budget versions of that line um soaring <laughs> <laughs> oh man but anyway i mean for a mono red aggressive uh you know deck it's got pretty much everything you want on the card. You know, it's got uh, a way to exile something off the top of your library, which then it has a payoff with giving it a plus and plus one counter to then letting you keep going. And I can see, I can see this deck becoming like really fun. Um, but I think it's, it's more powerful the higher up in the tier list that you go, unfortunately. Here, this is probably the last thing I'll say about this card is, and I, I always like to draw comparisons to like, previously existing cards if there is one to be made and i would say lelia is like a red yeheni right two and a black for a two two with haste that you can sack a creature and it becomes indestructible and then whenever a creature opponent controls dies it gets a plus one plus one counter i would say this is actually exactly what a red yeheni would look like like word for word this is completely repurposed for red and yeheni by even by like modern conventions is a good card it still sees play in a lot of decks. Yeah. I'd expect this one to be the same way, but very much like Yeheni when he first came out, I'm not sure what this one wants to do, where it wants to go, if it wants to go in the 99, if it wants to go at the helm. I have no idea, but I am looking forward to seeing what people do with it.
And with that said, we're going to move on to our last law hold monocolored commander, and that is Lachelle Clockwork Scholar. And I really feel like I butchered that one this time. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this was one that I was excited about to to create and to brew around. Uh, it is two and a white for a two four legendary creature elephant artificer. Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt to attacking artifact creatures you control. Whenever one or more artifact creatures enter the battlefield under your control, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. I am actually not as swayed by Lucille as others have been. I think it is definitely an interesting direction to take the whole artifact shtick. Uh, the fact that it mentions specifically artifact creatures entering the battlefield and it can only trigger once per turn, that's kind of throwing me off a little bit, but this is something that's mitigated by things like Shimmer Mirror, um, a four-mana artifact that I'm forgetting the name of, Thran's Temporal Gateway, that's the one. Uh, if you have Unwinding Clock with that, it's very good. Um, you can also use... Uh, wow, I'm just forgetting the name of all my cards today. That's okay. It's a four mana, four five artifact creature that when it return when it enters the battlefield, you return a creature to your hand. That can be itself. People play an animar. Why can't I remember the name of this card? Whatever. Everybody else knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's what counts. We're here to be an informative show, and Paul's like, I can give you whatever I can give you everything else about this card, but the name. <laughs> uh, I have no idea what it would be. I mean. If you had two creatures with flash, class zone curio would be a thing. Just flash it out and bring it uh, back. Class zone curio is non-artifact creatures. It is too, isn't it? I keep uh -huh. thinking it's just anything. Huh. It would, I think it would be a lot more silly if it included uh, artifact are creatures. Are you saying that uh, class zone curio isn't already just inherently broken by itself? Uh, I think it's good value. As far as broken goes, I don't know. Uh, let's see. You have... I'm, tr I'm trying to find the name of that card because it's really bothering me that I can't remember. Ancestral Statue. Got it. Return Hell a non-land yeah. permit you control its owner's hand. You can just bounce it back to your hand. There we go. Found it you out. You got there. Informative show. Back online. <laughs> so, another card I was thinking of, which isn't an artifact by itself, but Master Tinkerer from Kaladesh would be really good in this too. Because servos and thopters you control. Um, so I'll, I'll just I'll read the card. It's a three. It's a two and a white for a three-two dwarf artificer. Servos and thopters you control get plus one plus one, and has an activated ability of three and a white. Create a one-one colorless servo artifact creature token. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. So a four um, mana not four mana draw that it card. Has to be a, a non-token. What's that? Uh, I was saying that low shield doesn't specify that it has to be non-token. So no, it doesn't. Work. No, it doesn't. It just says an artifact creature entering the battlefield. So you just make, you know, lots of uh, lots of little servos and thopters. Because then my next thought would be retrofitter foundry, the yeah. one one mana artifact that has four activated abilities, uh, three to untap it, two and tap, create a one one color servo token, one and tap, uh, sacrifice a servo to create a one one uh, colorless thopter. And then tap, sacrifice a thopter, make a 4-4 four, four colors construct artifact creature token. So this that thing by itself well. would just, would make you servos and thopters and untap itself. And if you had the mana, you could do, you know, I mean, you could essentially do both and then just go from um, making the 
the servo into them making a thopter. So then you're making a tutu in everybody's turn and swinging out for things. And yeah, that's, I don't know. I just, I needed somewhere to play my retrofitter foundry. And this was the kind of the shell that I, that, that I saw and was like, yeah. Ooh, that could be something fun. I'd say this is probably a good place to play it. Um, you could also play uh, mere, not not mere battlesphere, M- mere turbine. Mere turbine. Is that the one I'm thinking of? Yeah. When, whenever you, if it's untapped, whenever a player plays a or has a creature enter the battlefield under your control, they get a one-one mirror. I I I, I like I'm just I'm literally describing the exact text on the card. Yeah, but no, I no, 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 no. It is. I, I was just, I was googling it to get the picture. Uh, yeah. So mere turbine is the the five mana artifact that has two activated abilities. Tap. Put a one one colorless mere turbine turbine mere artifact creature token onto the battlefield, and then tap. Uh, tap five untapped mirrors you control. Search a library for a mere creature card. That's not the one you're talking about, was it? No, but that one's not bad either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just tap mirrors and then go and search for a. Uh, a mere no, you just yeah, you search out your, your your library for a mere creature card and put it in the battlefield and then shuffle your library. Yeah, and there's I think there's some combos you can do with that. See? It's got everything I like. It's got white and it's got combos and it's all about creating a mass engine with artifacts. <laughs> yeah. It's good. <laughs> I guess in Low Shield you could play Maskwood Nexus with the with the mere turbine. Uh you know, get out your whatever. Light Steel Colossus, because that's a mirror now. If that's if that suits your fancy, I suppose. Yeah, you. I mean, you really could. Oh man, there's so many things you could do with that deck, and now that's rekindled me to. I just built a mono black deck. Do I just change it out and make a mono white deck now instead? Why Damn not it, with Paul. the power of proxies? <laughs> that's very true. I, I just <laughs> need. I just need time. Find. I just need to find time to actually test my decks because I have all these decks kind of proxied out that need testing and just need a little tinkering here and there and I just never get enough time to play games. Too but, true. Enough about Elephant Boy, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, enough about Lawhold. Let's let's move on to our next uh, college in Strixhaven, and that's Prismari. So Prismari is the blue and red colored commander, uh, colored college, sorry. I'm so used to saying commanders. Uh, so it's the red and the red and blue colored college we have the multicolored card here which is one of the commanders that i was really excited about building that wasn't the face commander uh zaffy and that's veyran voice of duality so it's one blue and a red for a 2-2 legendary creature effort wizard that has magecraft whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell veyran voice of duality gets a plus one plus one until end of turn if you if you casting or copying an instant or sorcery spell causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. All right. So I'm actually building Veyron. I'm in the process of doing it. I have a stack of cards set aside, ready to go. And let's talk about things that trigger. Uh, so first of all, even if you just like cast Veyron on turn three on curve, if you play one instant or sorcery spell on the next turn, he attacks as a 4-4. If you play two spells, it's a 6-6. Six, six. Three spells, it's an 8-8. Eight, eight. Veyron just gets really out of hand really quickly. You want to be copying spells, obviously. So things like Twinning Staff, which came in the Calamax deck of uh, yesteryear. Um, you want 
a lot of the stuff that the deck actually already comes with conveniently enough, things like Pyromancer's Goggles, uh, Sunbird's Invocation. Um, I'm actually not sure how Veyron works with Pyromancer's Goggles. I'm not sure if you copy the spell twice. I'm tempted to think that you do, because it's a, it's a trigger from Pyromancer's Goggles when you cast a red instant or sorcery. Uh, that's kind of nuts. Sunbird's Invocation, well, yeah, you that's... get two things. I feel like you uh, you breaking that down just gave you your own answer. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, Firemind's research. It's not a card that comes in that deck. Also, a pretty good one. Um, anything that has prowess. Uh, remember that these do have to be permanents for Veyron. Like, uh, I I initially thought that Cascade was very good with Veyron, but uh, Cascade is usually not on permanent spells. So unfortunately, they don't really work with Veyron. Um, but yeah, like, Varen gets very large very quickly, so you can kind of play it the same way that you play Calamax, except he, uh, Varen grows, uh, quicker than Calamax, in my opinion. And he does. And you can also do well, she some does, quite sorry. wonky things with, uh, Eye of the Storm, because oh that God. is a permanent. So when you cast a spell with Varen, you actually get to cast everything under Eye of the Storm twice, because your spells trigger it twice. Paul. What's up? How much do you hate the rest of the people at the at, at the pod? Why is it every time there is a spell singer commander, you're always like, I have the storm is a good card. No, 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 no. <laughs> All right, look, with Calamax, <laughs> you copy those spells. So Calamax gets a bunch of plus on plus on counters. With Varen, though, you get to copy everything under that stack twice. Yeah, I don't. Okay, I've been in a game where I've had I have the storm on the uh, on the field. And this was over webcam, and I literally had a piece of paper and a pen next to me to write down every single spell that was exiled under Eye of the Storm. It was a giant conundrum, I guess is <laughs> kind of a word to use there. Uh, on, I was like, all right, cool. So you're casting that spell. I'm going to exile it with my Eye of the Storm. It's going to get exiled under here. You can then make a copy of everything else on this bit of paper that goes on the stack. What do you want to resolve first? And it turned every spell into a 25-minute conversation. Which, I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's just... And then you're doing it twice with Veyron on the field as well? Oh my god. That would be a mass headache. All right, but look. Could you, you imagine the value that you it. get out of it, though? <laughs> you can't stop me from doing it. Like, I'm gonna do I'm it. Not. It's happening. I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I, I am very much in the premise of you want your fun things, you do your fun things. Um... I just know how slow Eye of the Storm can make a game sometimes. Um, Thousand Year Storm, also very good with Veyron. That one does not come in the deck. Uh, Galazeth Prismari, one of the new cards from Strixhaven. Not in the deck, but again, pretty good there. Um, let's see. Uh, Metallurgic Summonings is in the deck. Also very good. They actually put a lot of the cards that you would want anyway in the deck, which, uh, you know... It's always good to see that. It means that they're really paying attention to the synergy of the deck, which mm -hmm. is something that in a lot of previous years has been a little lackluster. Um, yeah, but I guess I don't really want to prattle on and on too much about Veyron because, like I said, I am building it, so there's a chance that you'll hear a lot about that in the future anyway. Uh, so I'm, I'm content to go ahead and just move straight through here. Yeah, I'm just going to say one last thing, and that is the uh, Chandra's Ignition slash like copy spell combo still works with this commander uh yeah that would 100 yeah. work i actually have you, uh you, 
cast the sorcery, you then cast the uh, the the double spell, or like it'd be like reverberate or twin cast, and then copy the twin cast. You copy it, you get a plus two plus two. Keep going. Make I actually have burning huge, anger. Or resolve. I have burning anger in my pile, ready to go. Burning anger is a really good card to go in there. Anyway, <laughs> because you have talked like a lot about that, we are going to move on. Um, I feel like sorry, you have like you've done extensive research on that card because that is a deck that you are currently actually building. Yes. Um, so let's let's move on here to our uh, mono blue commander that comes in the deck, and that is Octavia Living Thesis. This is the coolest name on a card I've ever seen. Maybe not ever seen, but like recently I've seen. It's a Living Thesis. Uh, it is eight blue blue for an eight eight legendary creature, Elemental Octopus. That says this spell costs eight less to cast if. You have eight or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard. It has ward eight, which means that any spell targeting this creature must pay an additional eight to have that spell uh, successfully hit the stack. Uh, also has magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, target creature has base power and toughness eight, eight until end of turn. All right. So I'm just going to say that the favorite, my favorite part about this part card personally is the fact that it says the number eight eight times on the card exactly which is just you know that's a nice touch it's got the eight in the mana cost the spell costs eight less if you have eight or more instant or sorcery cards in your graveyard it has ward eight whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell target creature has base power and toughness eight eight until end of turn and it is an eight eight that's eight. I eights. didn't even pick up on that. I was actually, when you were like, it's on there eight times. I was like reading, I'm like, there's one, there's one, there's one. I'm like, there's only seven. And then I realized that the eight is, uh, one of the eights is written out. Yeah. It's written out. It's not as a mana format, <laughs> which I just thought that was a nice touch, but let's talk about the actual card. Uh, it is a two mana eight, eight. If you have eight or more instants and sorceries in your graveyard, which let's be honest, uh, though that sounds difficult, you're in blue. You're going to be casting these uh, instants and sorceries quite often. Um, uh, it's not totally it's like, unrealistic for this to be a two-drop, or if it dies a, a couple times, maybe a four-drop or so. But, yeah, because I mean, you've you've got you've got like opt, preordain, ponder, anticipate. These are all one or one or two uh, instant or sorcery spells. You can that even come like, down super early. You can even thought scour that mills a couple cards as well. Yeah. You've got a lot of ways to put stuff into your graveyard. Um, it also has Ward 8, meaning that if a player wants to swords to plowshares your Octavia, they have to pay 9 mana to do that. 9 mana removal is <laughs> terrible! Obviously, no one would like, ever play that. Obviously, board wipes still get this, but, you know, at that point, this is probably just going to cost 4. If yeah. it dies one time, like... You're on average still paying less mana than most other people pay for their commanders at base value for this card. Um, this card in particular doesn't really inspire me. I, I like the flavor on it. I like the actual presentation of the card. But I struggled to see where this ability would be useful in blue specifically. Because if this is your commander, you are in mono blue. I guess it's pretty cool with things like Delver of Secrets or... Uh, not Delver of Secrets... The, uh, the grown-up version. Docent to Perfection. That's the one. Uh, I guess it's pretty cool with that card because it makes 1-1s one that you can then turn into 8-8s. Eight um, 
I suppose you'd play like Ink Moth Nexus with this and make Ink Moth Nexus into an 8-8. That's kind of cool. Uh, but outside of these, like what I would consider to be kind of niche applications, I'm not really sure where you'd want to be making things 8-8s because it is an 8-8 already. Yeah, I, I'm i very much with you in that same point. It's just like, what do you do with this deck now that, you know, you can cast all these small instant and or sorcery spells to get them into your graveyard faster? Um, I mean, there's strategic planning, and like I said before, there's opt and, and, and all those, like, really cool cantrip cards that we like to play in blue. Um, but then besides just, like, you know, building up a field of small creatures and then casting and copying spells to make them eight eights for one turn i think they're just like until the end of the turn i don't know eventually i feel like you're going to run out of gas by running out of like cards to um cast slash copy so it's like they want to make this card a like an aggressive blue deck but i think without like an Eldrazi or something to reshuffle your graveyard into your library, you're going to run out of gas really, really quickly, uh, which is unfortunate because it's really cool flavor and I like this, but I think this card really, it, it, it sits in the 99 of probably a different commander. Yeah, it is worth noting that it is an elemental, so maybe this has a place in like Court of Notions where you can make what, other, what otherwise are smaller elementals into 8-8s. Eight That's yeah, probably pretty think- cool. I think this is very much uh, the. It very much it sits in the in the passenger seat, in other decks as a probably one of the star supporting creatures. Yeah, especially since like like I said, it is pretty cheap. Like mi- honestly, maybe Muldrotha playable if you can get yeah. to cast it for two mana, especially since you're going to be dumping cards into your graveyard anyway. Yeah, uh, let's move on here now to the mono red commander. So we have Rionia Fire Dancer. She's a three red red for a three four legendary creature human wizard that says at the beginning of combat on your turn, create X tokens that are copies of another creature, sorry, of another target creature you control, where X is one plus the number of instant and sorcery spells you've cast this turn. They gain haste and you exile them at the beginning of the next end step. The first thing everybody mentioned with this card, of course, was, oh, it goes infinite with the... Combat Celebrant, which, like, okay, yeah, it does. That's awesome. That's cool. But what about some more, like, fun applications, right? Like, what you if I don't want to so go You sound so salty about that. You're just like, yeah, whatever. Like, Combat Celebrant is cool and all, but, but like, what about something else? <laughs> I am very much a value player. I very much love my mid-range value decks, despite the fact that my favorite deck is a combo deck. I, I most of my decks are mid-range value decks. And so when I see an opportunity for value, that's what I prioritize. So with Rihanna, Rian did I say that right? Rihanna, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I see create multiple copies of Avalanche Rider and blow up, you know, like five lands in one combat. Value. <laughs> now that's fun. Mass land destruction pull, <laughs> it's really? Not mass land destruction, it's targeted land destruction, just you know, several times. <laughs> <laughs> All right, land destruction twice. <laughs> that that's that's two episodes now that you've uh, you, you've you've wanted to do land no. destruction. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, what other creatures are there in red that you want to copy? Um, I mean, there's even creatures as artifacts Zealous that you want to copy. Zealous conscripts is one. Yeah, 
uh, Meteor Golem destroys permanence. That's a very good one. That's if you beautiful. wanted to, if you wanted to destroy lands, you could. But this is a red way that you'd be able to destroy anything, and that's something that red has difficulty destroying is having just permanent removal. And with Meteor Golem, just get a couple copies of those. Get rid of some pesky, you know artifacts enchantments maybe planeswalkers that you want to get rid of maybe a value land someone's like cabal coffers uh, if they have urbog on the field meteor golem is non-land permanent don't destroy any lands with it because you can't it's an invalid <laughs> target don't listen to james <laughs> i was the thinking of writer's job okay anyway <laughs> i was also thinking of spines of isha but that is a that's just an artifact not an artifact creature so I kind of melded the text of Spines of Isha in with Meteor Golem, which is the three, 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 seven drop. It's a seven drop for three, three, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's a seven yeah. and three, three. Destroy yeah, that one. online permanent, yeah. But still, this, this, you could do uh, anything that has an ETB, which would be really good. And of course, there, like I said, there is the combat settlement thing, but... There are a lot of creatures in red, like even just in mono red, if you're just playing this as the commander, that really want to be copied. Uh, I already mentioned a couple. I'm sure there's others, but um, we're talking about a lot of creatures today, so I don't want to spend time trying to think about you know what other creatures there are. I'm sure everybody will do their own research into this and figure out what's good, what's not. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm content to, to go ahead and move on from here. All right. So we have... Uh, the next college, and that is Quandrix. So Quandrix is the blue and green college. We're going to start with their dual-colored commander, and that is Essex Fractal Bloom. It is a four green and a blue for a 4-4 four, four legendary creature fractal with flying that says the first time you would create one or more tokens during each of your turns... Uh, you may instead choose a creature other than Essex Fractal Bloom and create that many tokens that are copies of that creature. Essex functions basically like... Um, James, what is that card from Kaldheim? Mystic Reflection? Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. Mystic Essex Reflection says... Mystic Reflection uh, in the command zone. Correct. And that is another card that you'll be running in this deck anyway. And I guess anything that would apply to Mystic Reflection... Uh, applies to Essex, like make a bajillion Avengers of Zendikar, uh, make a bajillion, uh, I don't even know. Like, there's <laughs> Simic is just like chock full of juicy creatures that you'd want to make copies of. Um, make several copies of Crater Hoof Behemoth if you want, don't make do that. several copies of, don't. uh, uh. What what is what am I thinking of, James? I have no idea, Paul. You're six the six one... behemoth to trample with landfall, make a four four. Rampaging Bayloths. Rampaging Bayloths. Make a bunch of those. <laughs> There's a lot of creatures that like you'd want several copies of in Simic. So just do that, I suppose. You know? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. There's not much this card doesn't do in Simic. I mean, it's finally a Simic commander that doesn't just say you know, draw a card or put a land in the battlefield or whenever a land in this battlefield, draw a card or whenever you play a land, draw a card. But it's still broken as hell. Like, 
This thing, you want value and flavor town. This thing's going to give you both of those. Uh, like you said, just make a bajillion Avengers Ender cars. And that was one of the first cards that I thought of when I thought of uh, Adrix and Nev as the commander. But this pretty much does the same job. It's six mana, yes, but you're in colors that are going to ramp really quickly. Yeah, and like this, I don't know. It's it's a very good card. Uh, unfortunately, since I haven't really had time to like sit down and analyze all these in detail, I'm not really sure what the actual shell would look like because even though it does like tokens, it doesn't have a way of making tokens itself. So you're putting yourself in a, a little bit of a weird position there. Uh, but who knows? I'm looking forward to seeing what people brew up for good old Essex here. Yeah, so am I. Uh, so we're going to move on to our first mono-colored commander, and that is Dika Fractal Theorist. It's a four and a blue for a 3-3 three, three legendary creature, human wizard, that has magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, create a 0-0 zero, zero green and blue fractal creature token. Put X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is that spell's mana value, and has an activated ability of three and a blue, Target creature token can't be blocked this turn. All right, let me tell you where this Dika card belongs. In the 99 of Varen Voice of Duality. <laughs> <laughs> In the bin is where it belongs. Um, I'm only half kidding about that, by the way. But the, the, <laughs> the, the card itself is interesting. It, it makes green-blue things, but its identity is just blue. So, unfortunately, if you were to play this as your commander, it is only blue. And I guess you're just looking for a go-wide strategy at that point, where you're just making a bunch of fractals. Um, the only thing is, a lot of those fractals are probably going to be pretty small. Like, one, two, maybe three drops. Uh, unless you have some way to like cheat big mana costs with blue. Similar to, like... Uh, dig through time would make you a 10-10, but you really are probably only paying two mana for it. Treasure um, Cruise, I believe, as well as another Treasure one. Cruise, same thing. That would give you a... Uh, I'm sorry. Dig through time would give you a an 8-drop, not a 10-drop. I'm an idiot. Uh, Treasure Cruise, same deal. Most of the time, you're probably paying like maybe two to three mana for it, but it'll still make you an 8-8. Eight, eight. Um, cards like that get a lot more interesting with this, but I'm not sure how many cards like that actually exist where you'd be making 8-8s. Eight uh, things that have X costs for their mana value, also decent. Um, you'd want a lot of ways to rebuy spells, so things like Archaeomancer, uh, Recollection. Um, Mnemonic Wall. Mnemonic Wall is a good one. Uh, you'd honestly probably play... Uh, Dead Eye Navigator in here, but like actually just for the value, just to rebuy spells over and over again. Um, you'd probably play flashback spells. You'd play like the the flip chase, the one that lets you recast spells from your graveyard. Yeah, there's uh, I mean, I feel like that's probably the shell right there. Uh, obviously, I didn't give a whole lot of specific card names, but I can't really see a different direction for Dika to go. Yeah, I mean, you know what else goes really well in the 99 of this deck? Uh... No. <laughs> Octavia, Living Thesis. You said about making 8-8s. Eight just turn those, those oh, yeah. tokens into 8-8s. Eight <laughs> I'm silly. Yeah, that would that would be pretty <laughs> decent, I suppose, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next one here. We've got Roxa, Patient Professor. 
two and two green for a 4-4 legendary creature, Bear Druid. This is whenever Ruxa Patient Professor enters the battlefield or attacks, return target creature card with no abilities from your graveyard to your hand. Creatures you control with no abilities get plus one, plus one. You may have creatures you control with no abilities assign their combat damage as though they weren't blocked. So let's talk about what everybody's really thinking with Ruxa. It's a great addition to Bear Force 1. Yep. Ayula <laughs> is like this this just slots straight into Ayula. Like I wouldn't even run this as the commander for any real deck, honestly, unless you were playing like low kind of battle cruisery smack with my two two bears. Yeah, I, I'm like I've been racking my brain trying to think of a way to get cheeky with this. Um but I honestly I can't I can't come up with, with anything. Um, I guess it's like pretty good with swords. It's like sword of fire and ice, sword of feast and famine, sort of blah 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 blah. You get the point. Uh, anything that like wants to deal combat damage, uh, because you can cheat the damage through even if they block. So that's kind of cool. Maybe maybe yeah, like a world render. Nature's will would be a really good card in this deck as well. Nature's will, sure. Yeah, because you can you can again do combat damage, untap your lands, and tap your opponent's lands down. Um. Muraganda Petroglyphs is a card that doesn't really see play that this deck would love. Um, well, I mean, yeah, that 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 pretty much covers it. It's a, uh, I think it just really slots nicely as a recursive card in Bear Force One. I think that's its best spot. Sad yeah. to say, but uh, who knows? I'm looking forward to maybe there's a a video that pops up somewhere uh, of Ruxa, Patient Professor teaching the class and i actually just noticed in the art is that her drawing the muriganda petroglyphs i believe so yes that would be extremely funny or well very <laughs> flavorful I, I will say a lot i like this this set or this like all these commander cards have been pretty much on on flavor on like absolute flavor and uh and i love it and i really want to condemn r&d and uh the art department and everything at wizards for making these cards just fantastic so with that, what we're going to do here is we're going to pass to our combat phase. We're going to whip out our Bear Force 1 and do some damage. And then uh, we'll come back to our main phase 2 and finish off the last couple of colleges here. Um, but we're going to go and hear a message from our sponsors right now. Welcome back from that ad break. We're going to pass through to our main phase 2 now. where We're going to talk about one of the last two colleges here on Strixhaven. And that's Silver Quill. So we're going to talk about the... Dual Colored Commander first, and that is Frelisa Fang of Silverquill. So she's two white and a black for a 3-2 legendary creature, Vampire Wizard, that has flying and mentor, and says whenever a non-token creature you control dies, if it had counters on it, create X tapped 2-1 white and black inkling creature tokens with flying, where X is the number of counters it had on it. I actually wasn't really sure... At first, what I was going to say about this one, but uh, during our little intermission, uh, I did a little bit of thinking, and I realized that uh, when you have cards that are relatively small, but are extremely not repetitive, but like they're, they are self-recursive, like they just come back naturally, uh, cards like if you run a small zombie package, maybe like Ravecrawler, uh, Bloodsoaked Champion, uh, there are various cards in white that do the same thing, I believe. 
this card all of a sudden becomes somewhat scary because it has Mentor. So you can attack with it, put a counter on one of those recursive threats that I just mentioned, or if you have a, a preferred one in mind, put it on that. And then you have it die somehow, either by getting blocked, or maybe you have a sack outlet. Uh, and all of a sudden, not only does it get replaced by another 2-1, or at least one more 2-1, uh, but you also get to get that creature back, uh, either at the end of the turn, or you're in your second main phase, whatever the case may be. Um, it also counts any counters that it has on it. So if you kill a 2-1, like Bloodstock Champion is a 2-1, if you kill it with a minus 1, minus 1 counter, you get the 2-1 anyway, because it died with a counter on it, and you get to get the Bloodstock Champion back. Same thing with Gravecrawler, same thing with, I don't know, name black or white card X or Y here. <laughs> like any, yeah, anything any recursive with like, threat, you can do this, with. Anything with like Undying or Persist is really good here. Yes, Undying works really well because obviously they just they come back with the counter anyway. Yeah, um, but like I read this card three or four times and every time I skipped over the Mentor, I was like, this card's like, it's got a, a payoff for having counters on things but doesn't really give counters to anything. And then I was like, the lot, like just then when I read it for the podcast, I was like, oh, it's got Mentor. This thing's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mentor... For anybody who's not aware, is a returning mechanic from Ramnica Allegiance, I believe. It was the Boros mechanic, which is it's weird seeing it on a black-white card, actually. But um, when in, a creature with Mentor attacks, uh, you can put a plus-one, plus-one counter on another attacking creature whose power is less than that creature that has Mentor. Mm -hmm. So in Felice's case, you can put a plus-one, plus-one counter on a creature that has two power or less that's attacking. Seems pretty um, good. Because then it dies and makes you two ones, and then you can put a counter on that, and then it dies, and you keep going. Oh, okay, that doesn't matter, but you can just make like an army full of like three ones at that point because you would just put counters on them and get them back and keep going. And you see that kind of recursiony kind of cycle we're talking about here. Yeah, this card wants to do that. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, I I I think this card might actually have some pretty scary potential. Um, if you throw like reconnaissance into the deck. So that Felisa doesn't die, or maybe you play like Dolmen Gate, so that Felisa can't take damage. Uh, if you have various sack outlets, maybe like an Ashnaz Altar or a, uh, a Spawning Pit, something like that. Uh, Skull Clamp is probably pretty good here as well because she does make two ones. Uh, you probably want Unspeakable Symbol, which is a more popular card in uh, Marquesa of the Black Rose, but also works pretty well here. Uh, I think this deck could actually probably be uh, pretty scary, to be honest. Uh, if you have anything that like starts off as a 0-0, zero, zero, but comes in with plus one, plus one counters, those are also pretty good here. Um, there's a lot of creatures from Amonkhet that enter the battlefield with negative one, negative one counters on them. Also pretty good here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm like kind of just building the deck right now, and I think that <laughs> deck is actually pretty scary. Yeah. I think it is too. Um, can also see this going in like part of a Taser shell as well. Cause a lot of those creatures that you play with Taser are very small and you can keep getting them back. And cause you would get double death triggers from this as well. Um, I can see this being the helm of a deck itself, which you pretty much brewed up yourself. Um, or it can be slipped into the 99 as a support for another aristocrat style deck. For sure. Or you could, uh, 
you know, you could play this in like your Agave deck. You could play this in uh, your Atraxa deck. There's a lot of places this can go in the 99. I just, I happen to think that this card has some serious potential at the helm as well. Oh, definitely. I, I'm, I'm like 100% agreeing with you here, Paul. Um, but we're going to move on right now. We're going to move on to our mono black commander, and that is Fane the Broker. Is two and a black for a three, three legendary creature, human warlock that has four activated abilities. So his first one is tap and sacrifice a creature, put two plus and plus encounters on target creature. The next one is tap, remove a counter from a creature you control, create a treasure token. The third one is sacrifice, uh, sorry, tap and sacrifice an artifact, create a two, one white and black inkling creature token with flying and for three and a black, you get to untap Fane the Broker. All right. I know what you're all thinking. Paul, are you putting this on Mirasil? I'm considering. Yes. It. Maybe. <laughs> Unsure. I know that's not actually what you're thinking. Um, so the way I explain this to James is that this is basically a black identity version of Trading Post. Uh Trading Post is a card that a lot of people know. It's a four-mana artifact. It does a bunch of things. And Fane is, like, essentially the same thing in that all of its abilities fuel itself, right? So Fane makes creatures that it can sack to put counters on other creatures. Uh, it makes artifacts that it can sack to make creatures. Uh, it puts counters on things that you can remove to make artifacts, and it can untap itself, because, you know, why wouldn't it have that ability on there as well? No reason not to have that, right? <laughs> I mean, without it, it's pretty slow. But then, like, at that point, you could have literally have... I mean, I guess when we were talking to Gavin, he was like, well, if you see any, like, sack abilities that have a tap symbol or something else, they're kind of managated. And I guess if you were to remove like all the costs from this, it would just be like sack. It'd be a free sack outlet or a free counter removal or a free sack and artifact without that untappability. He'd be very, very strong. It'd be very, very fast. Um, so I think the only way to really slow it down is to give him, you know, you have to tap him and then you can pay to untap it, but it's not as slow as you only get to do one of those three abilities each turn. Right. Which a lot of cards in this set, have that text they say this triggers only once per turn or you know something like that uh fane not having that is actually uh a little scary because this is one of the more versatile cards in the set uh i'm very curious to see if fane actually goes at the helm or maybe in the 99 of like a turgrid deck or something as as much as i hate to say that um but nonetheless, I think it's a really cool card. A lot of a lot of applications, and everybody knows how much I love my modal cards. Fane is essentially a modal card, and I don't think it's a terribly broken one at that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Cool. Let's move on to the mono white commander then. So we got Nils, disciple enforcer, two and a white for a two-two legendary creature, human cleric. That says, at the beginning of your end step, for each player, put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature that player controls. Each creature with more than, sorry, each creature with one or more counters on it can't attack you or planeswalkers you control unless its controller pays X, where X is the number of counters on that creature. Now, I actually called it, I've seen a lot of people saying that Nils is like kind of filthy. 
filthy in like an extremely good kind of way. He needs and to shower. James, he smells. James can vouch for me on this. I kind of called that before this set even came out. I was like, Nils could definitely be some type of really strong like mono white prison deck. Mm-hmm. See, James is vouching. I did mm-hmm. say that. He did. And- <laughs> and I like 100% back you up on that because you did say it because I went, damn, this is a good prison deck. And you were like, uh, maybe like, but you're giving all your, like your opponent's power. And then if it gets removed, then that clause goes away. And it was a whole evolving conversation of you, like kind of thinking it was bad. And then you eventually went, oh no, this is good. <laughs> well, the thing is like, I think it's better as the commander than in the 99 because even if it does get removed, like maybe you'll get smacked once, maybe twice by creatures, but then you just get to cast it again. Yeah. And that's where it gets silly. Um, not to mention that this can stack if you have multiple copies of Nils. It is legendary, but you know, we do have like uh, Helm of the Host. Uh, there was actually another card printed recently, I think, that makes a copy of a legendary thing, but it becomes non legendary. I can't remember. I think it was in Strixhaven. It might be a green-blue card, actually. Um, but yeah, like we have ways to do that. Um, we have other ways to put different types of counters on creatures. Um, for example, Ix- uh, wow, I almost said Ixoria. Ikoria <laughs> uh, has keyword counters. Those work as well for Nils, if you can find a way to put keyword counters on other people's creatures. Um, we have Orzov Advocate which was just reprinted in Commander Legends, originally came out in... Uh, I can't actually remember. The uh, the four-color decks. Commander 2016, I think. Maybe 2015. I think it was 2016. Uh, yeah. And then... I, I don't really know. Like, you just... You play <laughs> Prison. You just play, like, generically good white cards. I guess you probably play this very similar to, like, Mono White Death and Taxes. Uh... So you play like Leon and Arbiter. Uh, I already mentioned Orzov Advocate. You probably play other taxing things as backup, for like redundancy. So like Norn's Annex, uh, Ghostly Prison, uh, Sphere of Safety. You probably play Torpor Orb in this deck because you know it's Torpor Orb. Um, you probably play not Elish Norn, uh, but you probably play like the free white spell from the. Uh, Ikoria cycle. I always forget flawless the name maneuver. of that one. Huh? Flawless maneuver. There you go. Flawless maneuver. That's a pretty good one. You probably play Akroma's not memorial. Akroma's will and Commander Legends in here as yeah. a as a nice little finisher. Um uh, yeah. I mean you could also maybe even play Mono White Human Tribal. That's a thing that you could do. Uh if your playgroup is okay with it, you could even play like Rick. You know, from the Walking Dead uh, uh, secret lair in there. Uh, he'd probably be pretty good. Other than that, it's just mono, white, you can't do things, but I can. Yeah, I mean, you just pretty much, I mean, you can play Dranith Magistrate, stop them from casting their commander. Um, all the Thalias, stop them from, like, you know, having cheap spells. All two of them? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much just you're playing like white prison stacks, I guess. Uh, whereas it's like you can hit everybody else, but you're not touching me anytime soon until it's. That's the thing is like my my issue with this deck is once it comes down to a one v one, 
What do you do? How um, does this deck win besides just turtling and having a big old wall around your field and saying that you can't like you can't do anything to me. Like, you can't hit me with combat damage because I've put all I've put you know all these counters on your creatures and they can't attack me unless you want to pay hundred mana or even just saying like pay you know three mana or four mana per per creature. It's kind of just like all right, well what's what's the win con? Like how do you win? Um, I mean there are you know there are some big white creatures. Uh, I did mention Elish Norn. I guess technically you could yeah. run that. Um, there's uh, High Sentinels of Arishin would be pretty good in this deck. That's a very oft forgotten card from uh, Cons of Tarkir. It's a four mana three three white creature that you can pay four mana to put a plus one plus one counter on a creature, and then I think it, I think it gets plus one plus one for each creature you control with a plus one plus one counter on it, something like that. That is like a really good card for this deck. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. All right. So we're going to move on to our very last college we have here at Strixhaven, and that's Witherbloom. Yes, the Golgari colors are last. Um, so we're going to start again, like we have throughout this whole episode. Uh, we're going to do the dual-colored commander first, and that is Guillaume, Master Chef, possibly? Uh, uh, James did do some research on this name. James, do you remember the pronunciation you came up with? No. <laughs> I, I believe it was Yome, something like that. Yome, yeah, something. Like I think it was, yeah. I want to say it was that, but I also don't want to butcher the translation on it. But I went to Google Translate and see if I could like try and get a way to pronounce this this card. And the funny thing about this card, actually, and the flavor about this card is he's a master chef, um, and his name literally translates to fish eyes in Japanese. Apparently. From, I don't know if from, that's what from, they were going from for. Japanese. <laughs> from Japanese. I mean, I typed it into Google Translate. It detected Japanese and then gave me what the English equivalent to that word would be. And it was like, fish eyes. And I went, damn, wizards, that's great. <laughs> and if you look at the art, Yome is chopping a fish next to him on the table. Yes. Dang. It's 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 on point. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, Yome, Master Chef is a 2 one black and one green for a five, three legendary creature troll warlock. He has trample and says at the beginning of your end step, create a number of food tokens equal to the number of non-token creatures. You had entered the battlefield under your control this turn and has an activated ability of one and sacrificing a food. You get to target creature gains indestructible until end of turn and tap it. All right. First of all, Flavor, important. First of all, he's a chef, so flavor, LOL. Second of all, <laughs> uh, he essentially, he, you make food tokens equal to the number of creatures that ETB under your control that turn. Non-token creatures, sorry. So you're essentially making a plate of food for each creature. And then you sacrifice a food, uh, that creature, a target creature gains indestructible, but it also gets tapped. So I guess that's supposed to represent like it's full, right? So it's tired. And I don't know. There's just something really cute about that to me. I really enjoy that. Uh, but let's talk about how scary this card is just, like, by itself. Five, it's a 5-3 with Trample. And bear in mind, its ability can target itself. Yome can make itself indestructible. And basically what you do is you would attack with the 5-3 Trampler. If they block, you just make it indestructible. And it doesn't matter that it gets tapped because it's already tapped because you're attacking. And... 
that's a uh, at maximum a five turn clock. It's just shy of a of a four turn clock. That's pretty frightening. <laughs> like uh, just that part alone. But like, how many things do you have that like indestructible is a strong keyword, people. That is a very strong keyword, especially in green black when you have a lot of board wipes and stuff that destroy creatures. That is frightening. Like, how many board wipes can you turn just completely one-sided because you're playing uh, Chef Boy over here? Chef Boy, ooh la la. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, am I wrong here? No, you're not. Like, you're 100% <laughs> correct, and, and I agree with you. I just, this, this card is nuts. Um, sadly, you can't play Oko with this. I mean, you know, quote, sadly, end quote. But uh, there are a lot of green-black creatures that care about or green black cars that care about food. Thanks to Eldraine literally having a brawl deck dedicated to Corvold, uh, which had a lot of food in it. Yeah, which I always thought was weird. I guess it was because it was a sack deck and you could just sack the food that it made for free, but uh, Witch's Cauldron and Cauldron Familiar? Yeah, Cauldron Familiar would be absolutely insane in this deck. Yeah. So, I mean... This deck, I think this is the deck that I've seen the most hype for, and everyone's gone, oh boy, this is a card. I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> it's a card. <laughs> it's definitely a card, and it is, <laughs> it is a card. Like, it is just, it's one of those things where I don't have a Golgari deck yet, Paul. Maybe I'll maybe I'll make a, a, a foodie chef Golgari deck. <gasps> That's what I'll do. So, side note little rant here uh my brother actually is looking at getting into commander and he's not sure where to start and he was looking at the boros deck but maybe i make him a uh, a master chef deck all about food and stuff cooking up some uh, spicy brews yeah i i probably should have prefaced this before but yeah he is he, he's he's a chef oh, uh he's a full, okay. he's, well, he's a fully fine. qualified <laughs> chef uh, he works at a french restaurant back oh home. i know his brother Yes, yes, you do. Uh, I talk, I spoke about him on the episode with Gavin, and uh, yeah, maybe I'll build him a uh, a Golgari deck and just ship it home for him. I don't know. See what I can do. Maybe I'll go get to convince him to make a Master Chef deck because I think that's just <laughs> that's just him all over. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so we'll move on now to the second last card we're going to talk about. This is the very first mono colored commander in the Witherbloom deck. And that is Tivash Gloom Summoner. It is a four and a black for a four-four legendary creature human warlock with lifelink that says at the beginning of your end step, if you gained life this turn, you may pay X life where X is the amount of life you gain this turn. If you do, create an XX black demon creature token with flying. This card is dangerously close to being Timna. Yeah. It's a... Uh... It's actually just like a slightly statted up version of Timna with a different payoff. And honestly, like, is that dangerous? Maybe. Timna was uh, a really good card. Timna is a fantastic card, and you see her in a lot of partner decks. Uh, you see her partner with a lot of the new Commander Legends stuff. Um, I mean, you see her partner with Thrasios, like one of the most powerful commanders in, in our format. Uh, so having this as like, just a monocolored commander that has lifelink. I mean, on what? This comes out on curve on turn five. You then, you know, turn six, you then hit 
for four, you gain four life, you can then pay four and make a four, four demon. Yeah. I mean, you obviously want to get this out earlier and you can do that with the amount of rocks and everything you can play in mono black or even just rituals. Um, yeah. I mean, you'd like, you'd even play uh, that card. I'm forgetting pristine talisman in this deck, right? Cause that's a mana rock that also gains you life. Yeah. Um, I would play staff of the, was it staff of staff of the black magus something like that whenever a player casts a black spell you gain one life i would play uh i would even play the the two mana or maybe three mana like unicorn that came out in like m19 or something that when it enters the battlefield you choose a color whenever a player casts a spell of that color you gain a life like this is a place that oh, i would play diamond those cards. mare diamond mare there you go yeah that's the one like this is God, the place that you right. would play cards like that because all of a sudden you're converting <laughs> yeah. that life into like eight eight flying demons perhaps it's always 8-8 eight, eight with you, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, assuming Tivash connects and gains four, you only need to gain four more life from other places to get up to 8-8, eight, eight, which with yeah, of multiple course. of those effects on the field is not that like unrealistic. Uh, of course. You- and with, with cards like um, Vito of the Dusk Rose as well being printed... Yeah, that's he, a good one. He gives all of your creatures lifelink. He then has uh, Sanguine Bond on him as well. So if your opponents lose life, you gain life. You could play Whip of Erebos. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Tivash like also really enjoys things that sack creatures to get other creatures back. So maybe like Dread Return, Victimize. Uh, what else do you have? Uh, there's honestly there's a, there's a lot of directions that you could take this. I, I I honestly think that this that Tivash is quite scary. If the if the tokens did not have flying, I would be a lot less impressed. But even if you're just making a 4-4 flyer every turn, like how many things do you see in this game that make flying tokens that large consistently? Not a lot, for good reason, because it's, it's yeah, pretty powerful. Yeah, because <laughs> that is really powerful. <laughs> All right. We have one last card to talk about, Paul, and it's mono green. And what does mono green like to do? They like to ramp. They are the color that is known for ramping you and getting you further ahead than anybody else in the game. And the commander that we're going to talk about here is Yodora Grave Gardener. It's a four and a green for a five-five legendary tree folk druid. This is whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you may return it to the battlefield face down under its owner's control. It's a forest land. First off, Grave Gardener is a literal. It's it's a it's a little too literal. I would have vastly preferred Compost Tender. <laughs> Right, because Com- you're turning what? dead things into compost. Get yeah, it? I get that. Right. But he's a gardener. He's turning them into, into right, forests. He's, Never mind. He's taking the dead bodies <laughs> and making them into trees. Never mind. All right, <laughs> let's, let's get to the nitty gritty. Yeah. This card's disgusting. Um, even if the things just stayed as forests, like getting to get a, a, like more value off of something that's dead is is a, it's something that's always been good. In magic, historically, right? That's why things like Muldrotha, Carador, Marin, uh, I would even go so far as to say like Korvold, the things that have to do with the graveyard, they tend to perform uh, pretty well compared to most other things. Uh, Yodora gets things back as lands. So let's say that you play a Birds of Paradise and you have Yodora on the field. Birds of Paradise dies. Birds of Paradise is now a forest. What has your opponent accomplished by killing said birds? Nothing. 
Now, obviously, that is a very like minor example of the power of this card. Uh, it's also been recently put out there that if something has morph that Yodora brings back, you can actually unmorph it even though it is a land. Uh, so things like Den Protector. Um, I don't know what other mono green morphs are out there. I know there's one, uh, or not Oriok, Inok Survivalist. I think is one from Conservatrach uh, here that it unmorphs to kill an artifact or an enchantment. I think I'm I'm pretty sure I'm correct on that. Uh, isn't it Nantuko or something? No, that's an older one, but oh. does the same thing. I think Nantuko. So yeah, I think you're right. Uh, so anyway, morph cards are good. Uh, you'd want like um maybe I'm I'm forgetting the name of this card again. Oh my goodness, it's a uh, Whisperwood Elemental. There we go. I figured it out. Whispered Elemental is pretty good with Eudora. Um, if you have things that bounce lands back to your hand, you know, like maybe a bounce land, uh, those are pretty good. Uh, I know they're, that you are in monocolors here, but you have Guildless Commons from Commander Legends. That is now a colorless bounce land. Also pretty good with Eudora. Um, I'm sure there are other things that bounce lands back to your hand that I am not accounting for here. But, you know, that is pretty much how I'd envision this deck would go. Otherwise, I'd probably slap this in just about any deck that has green and call it good, especially things that seek to gain value from uh, things dying because I get a second chance with them. Yeah, I actually was thinking about slotting this into Obon. That's uh, pretty spicy, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, because you've got... if the land dies, it comes back as a forest. <laughs> So they actually exactly. can't kill your lands. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Exactly. Um, Did you know that? I mean, saying exactly. <laughs> no, like, like that's why I wanted to put it in the deck because I mean, the amount of times that I've had my lands being destroyed, and I don't have an indestructible land, if it dies, I don't care if it dies. It's going to come back as a forest anyway, and because it comes back in ETBs, I'm going to get landfall triggers off it, and with uh. Ashaya, what is her her title? Ashaya, the, the o- World Soul. I don't remember. Ashaya the Awoken is the the token that uh, Nissa makes. I don't know what the new Ashaya is. From yeah, it's the one from uh from from Zendikar Rising that says all of your creatures are lands. So you would just, you know, have her out, have your Dora out. Soul of the have, Wild. Have Soul of the Wilds. Okay, so you would. You know, play out your creature, get a landfall trigger. If it dies, you get a landfall trigger. See how that works, Paul? And I have bounce lands in there to bounce back to my hand and then play them again and then lands and just keep going. Oh my god, that is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I need a copy of this card now. Eudora is crazy. I love it. All right. So that's it. That's all the brand new alternate commanders from all five Strixhaven colleges. If you want to talk to us about these or any other cards that go in these decks or anything about that, you can do it on Twitter or Instagram at CMDR at arms. If you want to rep a commander at arms shirt and our logo across your chest while you're playing commander at your local LGS, you can do that through the links in the description below. If you want to support us and local game stores while still buying cards online, you can do that through our TCG affiliate link at tcg.com slash commanderatarms. If you want to support the show directly, you can do that through patreon.com forward slash commanderatarms. Patrons get 
access to our Discord, as well as extra added bonuses in the Discord, and new patrons get a shout-out on the next episode that they become a patron. So, Paul, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, I'm sure you've all heard this spiel by now, but just in case you haven't, uh, I'd like to thank you all for taking the time to sit down and listen, even if this is the first and last episode you ever have or ever will listen to. Uh, It means a lot to me and James that you take the time to do so. If you did happen to enjoy what you heard, uh, please feel free to check out any of our previous episodes. Uh, If you go on Twitter, I actually linked an episode not too long ago. It was our interview with Gavin Verhey. I believe it's episode 24. If you want to go back and check that one out, that was a fun one. Um, Also, if you could, please uh, share with any of your friends who are into magic. Um, Me and James are always happy to, you know, have new people join in the crew. Uh, I shouldn't say the crew. What what is our what what do we call our fan base? Our loyal knights, our loyal ah. subjects. <laughs> <laughs> Always happy to talk to new people. Uh, we engage on Twitter pretty frequently, mainly because there's two of us on the same account. So, you know, uh, <laughs> there's usually at least one of us on there, and uh, you know, me and James just love to talk about magic and you know discuss magic and always looking forward to having some new faces and new voices in the community so please don't be afraid to reach out if you should need anything and with that i'm james and i'm paul and you've been listening to the newest episode of the commander at arms podcast peace see ya